Hi guys, it's Brendan Whitty, host of That's Black Mail. This is the second episode entitled The Checkup. I'll be speaking with Dr. Brandon Henry, who is a sports medicine physician at Riverside Medical Clinic and team physician for California Baptist University Athletics uh, and received his MD from Howard University College of Medicine. HU, you know. Hi, let's get it. Hey, man, I, I definitely appreciate you coming on. You know, um, you went to, to HU grad school. Um, and so I didn't know you when I was there. But thankfully, through, you know, some some mutual acquaintances, we, we've been able to kind of, kind of bond. And, and it's, it's been it's been great getting to know. Like, I, I, I don't know that much about um, uh, the medical field. And I've, I've learned more. But Every time I, I sit with you, I feel like I learned something. So I'm super glad to have you on. And let's let's go ahead and bounce and get into it. Um, yes, could you tell me a little bit about what you do? Because I think you have two of the coolest jobs right now, like some one of the most important, and then personally because of the sports angle, one of the coolest as well. Sure, yeah, man. So again, thank you for having me, bro. Like I love, I love, I love this. I love the platform. I love um, the content. I, I love just being a part of this because I think it's so super important. And that and um, this is going to be, uh, I'm, I'm excited about this. So, um, so yeah, so I do um, my regular day-to-day, if this was regular life going on right now, um, I'm a sports medicine doctor. Um, and so what that entails is um, I pretty much take care of athletes. Um, and if it's not um, athletes, they are everyday um, active people, right? Weekend warriors, as I like to call them. Um, I take care of athletes from all different types of levels, right? Some professionals, some college, some um, high school as well as down to you know just like the middle school and just young uh, young athletes and so um, it's really cool being able to be a doctor for athletes because um, i love sports i grew up playing sports at the college and it's just my passion so to be able to serve that population man it is great for me um and so and i'm also a team physician at a, at a, at a university out here so it's really dope again being able to take care of collegiate love athletes um now that everything is kind of crazy with this whole COVID situation, uh, my clinic where I'm at at Riverside Medical Clinic, things kind of slowed down. Um, and um, I'm head of my clinical task force, uh, my site task force for COVID uh, at CBU. And so they put me on this task force. And with everything being slow, I kind of told myself, well, I could sit in my office and you know maybe see a couple patients here and there. But I decided that um, I needed to join my other brothers and sisters that were out there kind of in the front of this thing and, and so i decided to take on the responsibility of doing covid testing here at my clinic and so uh six days a week um i test uh from anywhere from two to three hours a day and um you know we test anywhere from 50 people up to yesterday we tested 110 people wow um and so it's um it's definitely been interesting to um, be dealing with the testing because you see such a wide array of patients between some of those that are pretty sick and uh, some of those that have no symptoms at all. So it's been uh, it's definitely been interesting. So yeah, and could you talk a little bit more about the testing procedure? Because I've I've read a little bit about it. I've seen some people go through it, but I don't think I fully understand all that's involved in it. So it, it really. Um, 
there's multiple ways to, 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 uh, to test for this thing, right? Uh, a lot of what you hear about in the news nowadays, right, is everybody wants to talk about the antibodies. Um, and so what that entails is drawing your blood. Um, they take a specific protein from the virus itself, um, and they try to see if you have antibodies built against the particular uh, protein in that virus. That way lets lets us know if you have either had the virus previously before or if you are um, active with it now, um, but you're building a new response to it. But the more common way that we test for it is through the nose. Um, there's something called a nasopharynx, which means that it's the uh, portion of the nose that is the deepest portion of the nose where the nose and the throat connect. Um, you can do it that way, or you can also just do a nasal swab, which uh, really just kind of goes into the entry part of the nose swab, and then we go from there. Um, we get it have a pretty quick turnaround, so we usually get results back in there, so um, so people know fairly quickly whether or not they have it or not. And when I'm part of the reason I was so excited to, to get you on was because you're in this very unique space. Obviously, you're a black male doctor, but because of your your ties to um, the COVID testing, you're kind of in this very interesting place where, like, I, I was reading something about. Uh, I think the AP uh, AP Press just put out a, a poll about how um, even though black people are are dying and, and contracting. COVID at a higher rate than pretty much any other race that they would be less likely to take the, um, a proposed vaccine for. And largely, I, I think that has a lot to do with um, med medical exploitation of black people in, in this country's yes. past, you know, Tuskegee experiments, yes. invention of the speculum. Like there's a, there's a ton of, you know, a ton of history there. What do you think, I guess, what are the steps would you say as we as patients and then U.S. providers can can take so that I don't know so that people feel a little bit more comfortable, particularly black people feel a little bit more comfortable taking this. You know, again, you bring up a very great point that has to deal with the whole systemic issue between African Americans and black folks and medicine, right? Uh, I want to I want to encourage anybody who listens to this podcast to pick up the book uh, Medical Apartheid. Um, that book is an absolutely amazing book and it really gives a great historical background um, about um, black folks and, and medicine and it does it talks about tuskegee but it also talks about how just for pretty much all of black folks lives right we have been tested on in many different ways right there's a story in that and i don't mean that to kind of digress no nah, no nah, man go for it uh, it's a part, you know, part of what I'm talking about, but there's a story in, in, in the book that discusses, um, so I'll just talk about two quick things. One thing was, um, you know, the circus, um, circus guys, Barnum and Bailey, right? Yeah. Well, what they did was they took a older black woman, she wasn't even older, she might have been in like her 30s or 40s, I believe. Um, they pulled out all her teeth, of course, without any anesthetics or anything, um, and they put her on display as a part of the circus and said that she was the world's oldest woman and said that she was like a hundred and something years old, but yet she was only 30, 40 years old or so. Wow. Um, you know, and then you, you look at, um, like medical college of Georgia, um, they used to go and dig up the graves of, of African Americans without family's permission and use those bodies as cadavers uh, at their medical school. Jeez. Um, 
And so, and then of course, everybody knows about Tuskegee. So yeah, there's, there's a, a very large systemic issue when it comes to dealing with um, us and medicine. And so, um, you know, I think that we have to, we have to seek counsel, I'll say, from, from those that we know and feel comfortable with that are in the medical field, you know what I mean? Because when you see a provider, a physician or whatever, whatnot, that looks like you, that maybe have certain experiences of you as you life experiences, maybe similar backgrounds or whatever, whatnot. When you talk to us, um, most patients have better feelings about what we advise. You know what I mean? Um, there's a lot of research that shows that when patients can identify with their physician, there's better patient outcomes. And so I think that we have to have certain conversations with people that we trust that are in the medical field and that will give us the proper uh, information that we need to know. You know, because when I look at vaccines, and again, having been a pediatrician before I was a sports doc, um, I'm a fan of, of vaccines. I believe in them. I, I think that they serve a great purpose. Um, my daughter will get every vaccine I can just to make sure that she's safe. Right. right? And um, so when I look at when they're talking about, like, I get the flu vaccine every single year. Um, and so when you're talking about getting a, a vaccine for COVID, um, you know, do I think that I'm a young health, you know, do I think I'm a young healthy guy? Sure. Um, but COVID has been shown that it's taken out black folks quicker and faster than, than anybody else, right? So I alone have a, I'm at an increased risk. So for me, if they come out with a vaccine, yes, I'm getting the vaccine. More so because I want to protect myself. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I want to protect my daughter. I want to protect my family. I want to protect my family, my loved ones from me. Because I know that I'm in a field where I'm exposed right. to things all the time. And so I want to make sure that I can. So I just think it's a matter of just being able to talk with people that you trust. Um, and, and you're not going to trust. You know, there's not a lot of doctors that people feel like they can trust. But there we are out there. And um, I think that we can have a good conversation about why it's important to take certain steps and um, you know, we've got to do it because, again, like we've talked about everything that's going on right now. If it's not, you know, if it's not comorbidities like hypertension, heart disease, diabetes taking us out, you know, it's COVID taking us out. If it's not that thing, we've got to deal with the whole police kind of thing, right? It's, it's, and then it's, it's violence. Like I saw in Chicago had one of the deadliest Memorial Days um, in recent years, right? With all the killings. And so it's like we have to take whatever steps we can to protect ourselves. So that we can continue um, our, you know, continue our, our families along. So that's why that's why I look at it. I want to I want to circle back to, to something you mentioned. You you, you mentioned uh, your your time or your work as a pediatrician, and vaccines even before COVID have become a a, a very hot topic of conversation about yeah. people that just don't believe in them for, for whatever reason. Have you, did you encounter that, especially with black people? Did you encounter them having a lot of pushback about vaccines even before this sort of thing started? Absolutely. Right. I, I think that it's, there's so much bad information out there. Um, and right. It's uh, the first thing we do is go to Google, right? And Dr. Google <clears throat> will give you certain information well uh, the tough part right is that usually on google the first thing that pops up is usually what has the most hits just because it has the most hits doesn't mean it's the best information you know what i mean and so um yeah i get a lot of people that, that say that oh i'll never vaccinate it but my question to them is always just why right because i feel like i can have a conversation with you i'm not going to judge you 
not fully. <laughs> I was about to say, I feel like you would. I mean, like, knowing you, I feel like you absolutely would. <laughs> That's why I had to, so I had to toss him. Because I just, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, for me, I just, I don't understand why not. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's, like, why not be safe? Why not protect yourself? And, and again, when I look at the whole peace thing, I'm talking about why not protect your child, right? Like, you got the chance to live. Like, you, you, you. You as a parent, you've been living your life to a certain degree. You've had experiences, but as a kid, they haven't. So why put them in a position to where they could catch something that could take them out? And they didn't even have a choice. You took away that choice for them rather than keeping them safe. And so I just I just always like to ask why, because I want to hear their thought pattern. And I, and I feel like, okay, well, if they give me three points as to why they feel like they shouldn't, I'm going to counter those three points with facts with research, with studies that says why you should um, and why it's good to do. And the one thing that everybody brings up is the whole autism thing. And again, there's never been any true studies that has shown that vaccines cause autism. It's just not true. Um, it, 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 it's just false. And so we've, we've got to get away from, you know, those kind of things. But again, I just, and I get on people, right? I, I have no problem. That's the one thing I love about being a black doctor, right? Is that I feel like with certain people I can have a real conversation with you. Right. You know what I'm saying? And we we let, let's like let's 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 talk. Because I'm gonna let you know whatever you gotta say to me, I'm not gonna let it slide. Right? I'm gonna get on your head if I don't think you're making a good decision for yourself health wise and for your child health wise. Uh, um, and, and and it's respected. They they like that because they they get it. And so I feel like it, I'm able to make a you know a great impact because of that. So that's a hell of a responsibility, man. Like I, I'm just I'm I'm thinking about how you know obviously this is this is a, is a important part of or at least it was particularly when you were in peace that um an important part of your job and you obviously took that very seriously. I know that's not an easy thing to to have to volunteer to do because I'm sure that not everyone in your field is doing that or feels that certain. Um, responsibility to do um and so it's 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 interesting seeing how you've kind of volunteered to take that on because you are aware of of so many of the 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 plights as it affects black people and health and it's you know it's the importance of having that representation right it's the importance of having you know if you come and meet you know i i if if i had some questions about hey the the safety of this vaccine i'm a just keep it a buck. If if you're telling me that, I'm probably going to have a different response than if some sure. some some exactly. somebody else that doesn't look like me and might not understand, you know, right. uh, the history of of, of African Americans and medicine in this in this field. I want to I want to move the conversation a little bit uh, to yeah. you know kind of how it, the virus has affected Black people disproportionately. Um, and you mentioned some of the comorbidity issues. Th those things work in in conjunction, right? Like that that's part of it, part of those things that have been, you know, some are societal, but then part of it is just as health wise that we just aren't in in the position to be able to fight it at, in the same ways, right? Yeah, I mean, we, it's you know, we there's a lot of other things in life, but it's always like we're playing from behind the eight ball, right? Like if you look at sports, we're always playing down. Um, and we know that in any kind of situation, right, any sport you look at, it's always harder to play from behind, right, mm -hmm. um, to a certain degree. Um, and it's always like with certain things, we are always playing from behind. And, and the reality was is that when COVID kind of, when COVID started, we were really seeing what it was doing, 
you know, we were already kind of behind the eight ball, right? Because uh, if you're looking at how it spread, well, look at how we live in certain places, right? We live in more densely populated neighborhoods, right? Um, we live in more densely populated households. Um, we are a loving people, so we love on each other, right? Um, <laughs> we always seem to be in each other's faces. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, and, and that's all things that are going to cause for increased um, uh, contraction of, 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 of the disease, right? And then when you look at asthma, right? Who's got asthma? always sees young black folks with asthma, right? And so that means you already already have a lung pathology, which means that if you have a virus that attacks your lungs and makes it harder for you to breathe and ventilate, well, guess what? Since you already have a lung issue, now you've got that. Now you're, again, behind the eight ball. Um, hypertension, right? We already know that your, your blood vessels, in a sense, have difficulties, right? So now you catch a virus that has family cause, tons of inflammation inside the blood vessels, and now again, you're behind the eight ball. Um, shit, obesity, right? Let's just keep it like I said. Let's keep it a buck, right? You right. know that we 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 enjoy, right? We eat and we 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 enjoy it. But again, uh, when you are obese, uh, you've got that extra pressure um, sitting down on your lungs. You have a, a decreased ability to be able to ventilate and expand your lungs. So if you catch something, COVID, that makes it difficult for you to breathe. Guess what? You're behind the eight ball again. So it was almost just like we were just in a no-win situation. And reality is we hard-headed. Right? <laughs> I mean, let's just, again, we don't keep it real on here. We are hard-headed. And so when, when people were saying, oh, you know, stay inside, don't go, yada, yada. Yeah, we make fun of others that was out there and going to the beaches and doing everything. We wasn't going to the beaches, but we weren't necessarily just staying inside the house either. Right, and so we was people were still going to the barber shops, as we know, and that's right. a sad story. But we were still doing these kind of things. We were just being hard headed, which put us more at risk. And so, and it, but it's tough because you have to play the other side of it. Right, the other side of it says we had to go out so we could get food, right, so that we could put clothes on our, you know, make some money for our kids, put clothes on their back, keep the roof over our head. Um, we had to go out and do those things. We can't afford to have personal chefs come in and make our food, right? right. Like, I always laughed when I saw the commercials of um, all these stars and, and, and famous people saying, stay home, social distance, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, I get it. That's cool. But guess what? You got somebody bringing you food. Yeah. Right? Like, you got somebody cooking for you, right? If, if, if we, somebody who is not financially inclined, tries to order to even Uber Eats, you're not just paying just for that meal, right? right? You're paying taxes upon fees and all these other different things, which hikes up the cost of that meal. It, ma- it makes it makes a big difference. So, am I going to do that, or am I going to go outside and risk myself so that I can that I can go get some food for myself and my family? And so it's like I, I was writing a piece about this, and I had said it's the irony of um, of putting ourselves in a, in a putting ourselves at risk to catch something that could kill us just so that we can stay alive. Ooh, yeah, man, that is a, that's a word. And then, you know, we talk about comorbidity issues as it relates to medical stuff, but even societal stuff like, hey, more of us are disproportionately going to be these frontline workers and essential workers. And you, right. you mentioned it, that you, you can't miss work. You're not, you're not going to be able to miss work. Or even something yeah. as simple as having to go out more frequently because – you don't have a grocery store that work that that is exactly. that is really fully stocked. I remember growing up, we couldn't keep one open 
in my neighborhood and I lived in a food desert. Like there was nothing but fast food and stuff around me, which will help contribute to those, to that uh, obesity and stuff like that. Do you, do you think that uh, because we've got, we've been disproportionately hit by COVID it's made some people think people that aren't black think, Hey, you know, this isn't, this isn't as, uh, as dire of a situation for people that look like me. And 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 that's been, and that's made them a little bit more comfortable. When you look out and you know you see the tons of people at the beach and stuff like that, that you look out and say like, "Hey, maybe they just don't feel it in the same way." You know, that's an interesting question because then my question back is like, do they even watch the news or pay attention to these different things that say that? Mm. You know what I mean? Because again, we know that they don't necessarily pay attention if it don't deal with them. Right, so that would mean that you would actually pay attention to the news or I'll say certain kind of media outlets that have black professionals on it that are speaking about these numbers, right? Um, or otherwise, you just hear it, just kind of dismiss it, and you just kind of so I, you know, it, it, it's an interesting question. So I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think, I think honestly, people's re- reactions to this whole thing was a lot of people didn't feel that it was as serious. A lot of people wanted to put a whole conspiracy theory on it. People wanted to make it a government issue. You know, I, 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 Americans are very arrogant, right? Um, and, and we are very much ones that it's like, I'll be fine. I'm not worried about it. I know, you know, it's hitting other people. It's not going to bother me. And we're always like that. And I guess the word is like brazen, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, until it hits us. You know what I mean? So I think some people were probably like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's only been hitting black folks. So I'm good. And I ain't got to worry about it. Um, I, I, I don't know, because I, I don't know if they pay that much that much attention to us when it comes to us dying. Man, that is a really good answer and uh, a little heartbreaking. But, you know, that's heartbreaking. But it's, it, I, I just. I don't think they pay attention to us with that. That's real. Yeah, no, I was about to say, like, yeah, that's that's been on display uh, pretty pretty obviously, particularly this week. Uh, I want to switch it up to to do a little, you know, uh, to tie into the sports and maybe a little bit, a little bit less heavy. Um, <laughs> the the NHL, MLB, and NBA have all are all in talks about restarting their seasons. They're in different places with it right now. I know the NHL is officially declared the regular season over and is trying to get. The playoffs together, NBA is is having a similar conversation. I guess kind of think, what do you think it looks like for these for these sports to come back? You talked about how invasive your testing was, and I don't know if they'll have access to uh, better or 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 quicker testing because you said it takes you guys about a, a day or so to get results. Um, but they're talking about trying to build kind of quasi bubbles and having the players stay there on I think in the NBA it's it's at like in Orlando at the Magic Kingdom or something like that in the MLB yeah. it'll be at a few hot spots I know you're a big baseball fan like what does that Absolutely. even kind of look like because I can't I really can't wrap my head around how what even a safe version of those sports would look like yeah you know man that, that's a um that is a um it's interesting because it's interesting conversation. The whole thing is because I've been actually been talking with um, we're on the team doc and we've been discussing this, trying to figure out how we're gonna, you know, kind of get everything kind of going back, uh, get back going safely. Um, 
so I, I think that when you look at right, we have we know that there has to be testing, right? These guys are going to have to be tested fairly often. Um, now, the great thing with having money is that you can get tested whenever you want. It's a wonderful thing when you have money, right? You can just kind of do whatever. <laughs> I heard. Exactly right. Um, because if we look at like when as soon as Ruby Gobert got um, diagnosed, right? He was first first professional athlete that got diagnosed. Um, all these professional teams went on a testing spree. Well, guess why they went on a testing spree? Because financially they could, right? Um, and so, and they get, they're getting their results back within like 12 hours. Um, and so I think that they're going to have to have testing that shows that, okay, and the way they could probably do it, right, is you could say, okay, if you test everybody 72 hours before, um, before playing or whatever, um, and as long as they're negative, then everything is smooth, right? You don't have to worry about things. Because um, that's how kind of we've been doing things around here. It's like, okay, you test them three days out. As long as they're negative three days out, everything should be fine to go forward with, with, with what you're doing. Um, so you've got to have all the testing. Um, and I don't think it'll be a problem to test people. Even if you test them like every three weeks, you'd probably be perfectly fine. Um, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how, how they do that. The whole, when you think about like the whole staff of a team, right? Between players, athletic trainers, physical therapists, coaches, um, she probably would include cheerleaders because they travel with them as well, right? True. Um, I think as, again, as long as you test everybody and everybody's negative and everybody continues to do the regular hand hygiene, washing your hands, sneezing into your elbows, I think you'd be perfect. I think you're going to be fine. Um, you know, there were all these different talks about, oh, you can't high five or oh, baseball players can't chew sunflower seeds or oh, baseball players can't spit. It's like, what you can't do, I don't feel like is you can't take the game away from them. And now I'm speaking truly as a man who loves baseball. But to say you're going to have baseball without sunflower seeds is like ridiculous. I mean, that's that's like taking half of the game away from them. <laughs> like, <laughs> seeds are an integral part of the game, right? Like it's put them in our back pocket and we're out the field and we are chopping all those things the entire time we're out the field. And then when we come up to bat, you know, like it's it's just a spinning is a part of what we do. I mean, I, I can walk right now and I just spit because it just happened. That's what we do. Um, but I don't think that's going to make anybody contract the disease. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, unless people are spitting in each other's faces, which, you know, again, you hope somebody's not chewing and if they're chewing, chewing tobacco and then they're talking to people's faces. That's a whole different story too. But um, it, it's, it's just going to be very interesting. I know when we talk about the, people are thinking about like fans and such. And I think if you, I think you can have fans there. I think you may have to limit. They may start out limiting how many fans are there. Um, so that's going to be interesting again, how they do that. But I think the, the players want fans there. And I think you can have fans there. It's just, Again, you just make sure everybody does things safely. Again, if you continue to talk to fans and say, hey, listen, make sure if you're going to come to the game that you're not having certain symptoms, right? Because you can't say fever because fever is not, we're not, that's not even one of the most common symptoms anymore. Hmm. Um, you've got to talk about all the different kinds of symptoms, the, the diarrhea, right? You got to talk about the lack of smell, the body aches, um, headaches. Those are the things that you got to tell people. Um, Make sure you're not having any of these symptoms, right? If you are, stay home, period. Watch the game at home. But if not, come have a good time. They may even have them do masks for the first initial part. And as long as having them seat every third seat or every second seat, something like you know, something like that. Um, it, 
interesting. I, I, again, I think that they've got to do it. I think they're excited to do it. I hope that they can they can do it again safely, obviously, but still keep the game the game for the for the players uh, and for us the fans too. So that's interesting. <laughs> it's 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 interesting to me because how much do you, you trust people to follow that? Right, we yeah, we we've been yeah. in the crib for a little bit now, and you're talking about hey, if I can get basketball back, look, you know I, you and me have talked about sports eighty five percent of the time when we're talking to each other because we we're yeah because we're we're both huge fans, um, and I, I I don't know too many people that that enjoy it and love it more than than we do. I guess I just I am concerned not only from the the fan perspective. I I don't have any faith in fans at all to like say if you get a if you get a ticket to one of these things especially after you've been at the crib for two months no you going your foot might be about to foul off but you going bro like like, like that's definitely finna happen so i don't trust fans at all but then even the players like i was i was like there's uh, i know you're watching the last dance and watching rodman and you know how he would just kind of go and go do his own thing and while yeah every team might not have a rodman you you got a lot more of those Robins than you might think. I mean, you can't convince Kyrie that gravity exists, right? So how are you going to tell him he can't go out and then come back in and then go play? Like, even trying to establish these kind of quasi-bubbles and stuff, it's not that I don't think under the best circumstances that, yes, I think if everybody is super responsible and only comes to the game if they're feeling 100%, and uh, if the players are, are willing to really commit, I guess they're players' families too. I don't know how that would kind of work with this whole thing. But if, if everybody's really willing to commit to this, I'm staying in quarantine, I'm staying in this bubble, then cool. I just right, right. don't believe in people enough for that. And that is and and that is something that kind of is going to have to be a roll of dice, right? Like if, if everybody's at least on the front end saying that they're going to agree to this, cool. I am <laughs> just uh... and, but, but you're right though, right? Because that's and I think like you said, I think it's the sports lover in me that sometimes and we know that we all sports lovers, we can be very irrational at times, right? Um it's just a part of who we are. Right. Um so I think there is that part of me that that's like I love sports so much. I wanted to come back and, and I that I probably would put in too much faith in the fans because I think you're right. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think you're right. You're absolutely correct, right? If, as much as people, we'll just use LeBron for example, right? As much as people love LeBron, right? Um, if they had the chance to get a Lakers ticket, it'll probably be discounted, right? Because of everything that's happened, um, they're not going to start off by charging what they would normally. Right. If people had it for that game, um, they're going to come. They're especially like you said, we've been in the house thirsty for how long now? Right. Like we out here begging, begging thirsty. for anything. Thirsty, bro. That, that is a live sport, bro. Like Sahara. Sahara Desert. We out here just, I mean, panting for a live sport. I damn near watched NASCAR the other day, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm so Listen, bro, it is. I have. <laughs> no, when they said that the NASCAR series in Charlotte was about to come on, I was just like, you know what? Maybe I'll just pull up and watch that because I just need to see something that somebody competing. Like, it's just so. But you're right. I think that's and but that's the bad part too, right? Is that we as humanity, we don't give a fuck. Else, I mean, we can say whatever. Yeah. We don't care about each other, and that's 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 the bad part, right? Mm. So people will people will take whatever they have and go and expose anybody to something just because they want to fulfill 
that inner want and desire on their inside. So it's it may have to be without fans for a little bit just until things really start to cool down. But the tough part, honestly, that we're at, we're about to be in June. Um, Ooh, yeah. You know, flu season is around the corner, really. Mm. Um, and let, let us not forget that, that flu flu doesn't take out uh, people with uh, just comorbidities. Flu takes out everybody, um, healthy and not healthy, right? So it's, it's uh, it, again, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, but I know the main thing that they're going to have to do, they're going to be testing like crazy. Um, and they'll probably have some of these other uh, meds that they've talked about they'll probably have a good supply of them because they can afford that. And they'll have that for some of these players as well. I wanted to ask a quick question before I ask the, the final one. Are you guys, you're not having any trouble getting tests or anything like that. I know that that early on for a lot of, uh, for a lot of hospitals that that was a, a large thing, just having to ration the tests, which actually kind of changed the way that people were able to treat patients. Uh, but, but that's, that's less of an issue now, right? Uh, for, for most, yeah. for most, providers yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's it we we sent out all of our tests and we get kits the, the, that same day when we sent things out so okay. testing isn't, isn't a problem now the, the government finally did that thing right but i'm not going to jump too far into that part because that's not my expertise <laughs> um <laughs> but um we have testing so that's not a problem okay i did want to yeah i just wanted to make sure because i know that they were talking about when i was kind of reading through the protocols that they were kind of um shopping around for for some of this the sports stuff coming back i know part of it was yes. like they were going to have to test like multiple times sometimes even daily yep, yep. yeah i mean because if you think about it really if you have certain people you can you can test somebody in the morning time and some of these things you can have their results back before game time wow okay you know what i mean so you wouldn't know uh, at that very moment so Again, it, the ability is there. Uh, it'll just be once they decide. But I'm really looking forward to, to hearing all the different kind of protocols and seeing how they decide to do it because it's going to come down to the collegiate and high school level to a certain degree too. And I'll get you out of here on this one because you are in the perfect position because you, you're sports medicine. You work with athletes on a regular basis. What do you think it's going to look like when they're trying to, in terms of just the athletes themselves, just on the playing surface, how they're how they're going to be able to perform because I was reading and kind of surprised that more like NBA players, for instance, don't have a goal or or anything like that that they can regularly shoot on at their at their own homes and stuff like that. What do you think that's going to like the actual? Then you think we'll we'll see an uptick in injuries or anything like that just from everybody just kind of having a more sedentary lifestyle than they're accustomed. I was just talking to. Um, um, the uh, assistant athletic director over at Cal Baptist where I'm team Cat, we were talking about that today. Um, that's my concern. Uh, now, professional athletes, they're already high level athletes and they take care of themselves in a different way. So I think that you have your. I've learned that as far as working out wise, when you look at professional athletes, you have your LeBrons that are in a whole complete different right stratosphere because of the amount of money that they put into their, their body and their health. Then you've got your kind of like mid-tier, and then you've got your, your younger guys that just feel like they're invincible. <clears throat> I think some of those like mid or middle to low-tier guys, in a sense, are going to be the ones that we're going to, you know, we're going to see those hamstring injuries. Right. Some of those nagging strains. Um, uh, you're going to see, you know, for the 
basketball, you know, some shoulder injuries, right? Because, again, they haven't been chucking up those shots um, as much, I think. Um, professional may not be such a big deal, but when you look at collegiate and high school, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, bro, I'm just – I'm so because especially high school coaches don't necessarily understand the idea of a return to play, meaning a gradual return to play, meaning mm-hmm. 25%, 50%, 75% full goal, let's go get it. They're going to be like – Oh, we haven't done anything this my time. Boom, let's get after it. And I mean, in high school, you know, high school athletes, you have your ones that are already, you know, that want to play at the next level. Right. And then you have your other ones that they're not going anywhere past high school. And again, we're going to see all types of things. And I, <clears throat> I hope we don't. But everything in my head says um, this return to sports so this season is going to be um, filled with lots of uh, lots of injuries. Um, nagging ones. Hopefully nothing serious, but strains and sprains. Man, it has been a joy to talk to you. We are definitely going to do it again next week. Uh, just a wealth of knowledge. Is there anything that you that you want to want to plug or anything like that, or or a social media handle you want people to follow? Absolutely, man. Um, I well, thank you again for doing this. Like I said, this this has been this has been uh, this is dope. I'm, I'm looking forward to this again. I this was even better than when we first talked about it. I think this is going to be an awesome thing. So um, people can follow me at uh, Dr. Boogie, uh, should be Dr. Boogie 13, I believe. Um, so that's a dang shame, but I don't even necessarily know my own life. I think that tells you how, <laughs> how much. Yeah, so Dr. Underscore Boogie uh, 13, B-O-O-G-I-E 13. Um, you know, I have my, I do my thing at Tour for Diversity, uh, that's another big thing that I do. But, you know, once you follow me, you kind of see all the different things. And I'm just one that I, I love what I do. I love being a part. I love mentoring, love helping pre-med. So, um, I'm happy. This is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to the rest of our, uh, our joints here. Absolutely. Well, that's the uh, second episode of the black mail. that will be wrapping up. You can follow me on Instagram at, at H U C O S E L L. That's H U C O S E L. And we actually just started That's Black Mail, the, the Twitter account. Or you can check my Twitter account, H-U Cosell, uh, where we'll have all this stuff up. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And y'all be easy and be safe. Later. Easy.